You are listening to The Worlding Podcast, where we explore the relationship of how we are both, shaping and being shaped by our surroundings. The podcast traces interconnections by inviting each episode's guest to pass on the mic to someone who has influenced their world. And now, here's your host, dance artist Renee Schadler. Welcome to The Welding Podcast, where today we complete our fifth string figure with my guest, Suna Band, who enjoys long walks and is a writer on dramaturgy, working closely with last week's guest, choreographer Miller Kostinen. Today we will chat about how to create spaces where ideas can coexist, where we can be with our dilemmas and explore things that may at times be both comfortable and uncomfortable. Suna, thanks so much for speaking with us today. Hello, my pleasure. You're joining us from Stockholm, where you're working as an associate professor at the Stockholm University of the Arts. Can you share some impressions of your current world and surroundings, especially what's drawing your attention at the moment? Yeah, I'm actually standing in my office uh, here in Stockholm and um got a very interesting uh, architecture in this office. I have windows on both sides, both to my colleague, actually, in the next door office and to the corridor. So it feels a little bit like being in a fishbowl, but I quite like it. And it means that I can look out on the corridor and I can see people walking past. And uh, I thought when I moved in here that it would be distracting, but I quite like it. I like to see people walk past. Uh, today is very quiet, mm. but there are still people there. So that's that's what I've been looking at today. Mm. So you wear many hats, both in the university and as a dramaturg working in dance. For people that don't know this term, dramaturg, it's kind of referring to an advisor who often researches, selects, adapts, and interprets concepts, and provides feedback to the choreographer or author. Can you talk a little bit about how you approach this role within a creative process? Yes, uh, I can. The role of the dramaturg, of course, has, has been in theatre for, for many, many decades. Uh, and But it started to move into to dance and device processes, which is quite an interesting development. Um, I am thinking very much uh, about the dramaturg as someone who is um, an explorer, a co-creator also, an active participant uh, in the process. And that's also why I like to spend a, a lot of time in rehearsals, uh, even if there's maybe not any need for me to comment on anything, but I like to spend time uh, looking at the material and also giving prompts Uh, paying attention to, to things that I see in the room. And often I will simply and sometimes just spend a whole day in the rehearsals not doing anything else and making notes. Uh, I think sometimes a little bit uh, about my role in the same way that I think uh, my role as a teacher, that it's about kind of facilitating um, encounters. Uh, it's about making prompts for making something possible to happen. Uh, and 
more than being didactic about it, it's really about how can I create a space uh, for someone to explore uh, and someone to explore together with someone else and to be in dialogue with someone about what they do. Uh, so I think very much uh, the way I teach or the way I work with students is very similar also to the way I think about what I'm doing in, in the rehearsal space. Uh, although I don't think of myself as a teacher in the rehearsal space. I should make that clear. But it, it's really about creating the conditions uh, for something to happen uh, and enable, enable dialogue. Mm. And how do you go about resourcing that, like understanding the time and energy it needs? Do you have a kind of preparation before you begin something or is it about kind of finding your way through and being flexible in terms of time and space? I think, uh, you know, I have tried doing this myself and I also know sometimes that dramaturgs have to do this thing where they come in, they see something and they offer feedback. Sometimes a little bit like a feedback machine, maybe. Uh, but uh, I really like to spend uh, a lot of time in, in the room because I also I need to understand the context. What is, what is the material that I'm looking at? What is it developing out of? Where did it come from? And if I see where it comes from, uh, sometimes I understand it differently. Uh, so I'm very wary of, of this approach of being a kind of editor that's too quick to, to edit or too quick to pass judgment. And so if you can spend time with the ensemble and, and see what they're doing and where it's coming from, I've often found that this is where I'm, I'm most useful, if I can use that that word also. This is where I can help frame what's happening in the space and pointing out things that may have been overlooked or that nobody else saw. Uh, but I saw that. I had the possibility and the time to be able to notice that. So sometimes it's also about being the person who who has who has the possibility to to kind of lean back and and watch everything that's happening in the room. And not just the the performers who are creating material, but also thinking about how is it what we're doing, uh, connecting with the space, but maybe also connecting a little bit with the space outside of what we're doing. So, so it's that luxury I would call it of being able to see everything in context all the time. I'd love to hear more about following what you were saying with the human agent, in this case a performer, and then connecting that to the surroundings and the outside, which perhaps refers more to the political context or the society as a whole? Yeah. Um, if we're making uh, a piece in a studio, uh, there's something about you, you're creating a world inside um, of the theatre space. Um, I think dramaturgically, we're always, I'm always interested in how is this connecting also to the world that is outside. And that can both be in terms of the politics, um, to what extent does what we do connect also with the world that we live in. 
it doesn't necessarily need to say something about the world that we live in, but how is it connecting uh, with the the world that we live in? I think also what was interesting working with Miller this summer uh, on Breathe was we were working outside. So there's something for me dramaturgically that was really interesting about uh, how it, external or more than human elements uh, started to shape the dramaturgy. And this wasn't so much about illustrating something, but it was more about how do elements around us, how does the context also affect what we're doing? And how does that also begin to shape the dramaturgy? So we're working outside with, in an environment, uh, an environment that we can't always control uh, with big objects that are also affected by the environment. And how are you then starting to work also with those elements? How are you starting to incorporate that? But not only that, how are you shaping uh, dramaturgies uh, with elements that are kind of outside of your control? And I think this was interesting to me because working inside a theater space, often everything is under your control. You can control it. You know, lights and music, sound can be controlled. Um, so there's something also about um, starting to think about how uh, dramaturgies um, are also shaped by things that are outside of control uh, and what that prompts and what that creates. Uh, and I think that's something I'm thinking more and more about also that sourcing, uh, thinking from biological processes and what are the things that also maybe are outside of myself, sometimes maybe even alien to myself? Uh, what does it mean to, to create dramaturgies from that? I think it's been a really nice shift, especially with the COVID pandemic, that it has kind of forced performance to reassess how it's being presented when performing indoors with people very close sitting in a seating bank in front of you is not possible. How can we, mm. yeah, find other solutions? So I think that is really interesting going outside and performing under the open air where it can rain. And actually it's almost undoing the myth because of course, when you're also performing in a theatre, perhaps something happens with the electricity, perhaps a form of transport on the way to the theatre breaks down. So there's always this element of not controlling, but because the system has become so reliable, it's something we rarely think about. <laughs> Whereas when you are outside, it's undeniable that it can rain and it happens often mm. <laughs> depending on the season. Yeah. So I, I think that is a very refreshing turn actually Yeah. to kind of look at the technologies we've created to artificially form light and how is the organic world forming light. It's almost going back in a circle somehow. Yeah, uh, exactly. I was thinking about a piece I saw, uh, a documenta in 2012, Untilled by Pierre Uch. And um, untilled means uh, land which is not plowed, uh, unbroken land. And so it was an amazing piece, partly because of how I experienced it. I didn't know that he had a piece in documenta. 
So I was walking in the park, the big park in Castle, and I kind of fell into the work. And I just realized that this is, there are strange things happening in this environment that look like human debris, like markers of human existence that wasn't there anymore. So leftovers, a human being has intervened in this space, uh, but there were no humans, as it were. And then I started to realize that this is actually the piece, what he's, what he's created here. This is the piece. And I was constantly looking for the frame. So where does the piece start? Where does it end? And sort of realizing that I'm the one who shapes this piece in many ways. And I thought that was, um, that really inspired me a lot to think about how one, how the spectator also becomes a kind of dramaturg. Um, or always is a dramaturg in meeting the work and also defining what work is and what the work is and where it begins and where it ends. So this also connects a lot with my interest in, in time. I seem to have gravitated towards uh, collaborators that are very interested in time, uh, both in terms of kind of thematics, but also in way that they organize their work that they, it's almost that they challenge the audience to stay with the work, uh, stay with it, uh, and create gaps uh, in the work where, where the spectator or the participant or the audience can have a space in the work also. Um, so that kind of also reminded me of, of this untilled work, that the dramaturgy that goes on in the spectator also uh, but also how he was working with the environment um, and and our relationship mm. to the environment as a form of dramaturgy. Yeah, I also had the privilege of seeing that work. And for people that don't know it, there's a dog moving through the park which has one painted leg, which is very vibrant purple, and there's a statue of a woman with a beehive on her head. So... It is quite quirky and I went especially to Documenta to see the works. I had the opposite experience actually of really entering that space looking for the markers and mm. I also had very much this feeling of joy. I found it very joyful. It was very uncanny mm. and definitely being situational within the park I also started to see an aliveness perhaps in the park and in the other entities present which was very very dense I would say and very complicated in a way I didn't quite understand which is something I really appreciate from your proposition also of coexistence within spaces of ideas that also make us feel uncomfortable that we can be okay with not fully understanding, we can be okay with not controlling something. I think that's very much also a surrendering almost, as you were saying with the dramaturgical process, like a mm. stepping back and observing. Yeah. Yeah, lots of strings coming together. And I think also I was very encouraged to um, to stay in the work. And, and the more I, I stayed there and paid attention, it, it seemed that there were constant new layers to it also. And I think that that goes with, with what I was talking about before. Also, this idea of staying in a process, stay with it, stay for a long time in a rehearsal or, or a lab. 
uh, and see what, what comes out of it. So this idea of attention, to pay real attention to things and see what emerges if you spend time with it is something I, I return to a lot. Um, and sometimes, as you said, there is also that kind of uncomfortability um, about it. You begin to see uh, um, the contradictions, the dilemmas, uh, the tipping points, um, and there's always, with materials, sort of these tipping points that are interesting when something starts to change or turn. Mm. As part of this podcast, I'm inviting guests to share an embodied practice or a task that you enjoy that allows us also to experience some of your research around these topics. Mm. Is there something you could share with listeners and myself? Yes, uh, I do have a little task. It's a little bit connected to dramaturgy, the work also of working dramaturgically, which often has to do with noticing change, also if they're very small, because everything is always in movement, even if you think something is not moving or is still, it's always moving. Um, but it's also about how I shift perspective. Uh, and so I have a task that I sometimes actually do for myself also when I I need to just have a, take a second thought or se uh, have, a, have a way to reset maybe also a little bit. And uh, it's actually also a task that did develop uh, last year for me uh, because I spent... Um, a long time in the countryside during the, the COVID lockdown. And um, I was spending a lot of time sort of walking through countrysides and, and really experimenting also what would it mean to, to walk, for example, in, in the pitch darkness. Um, how do you begin also to see darkness? What changes when you're in, uh, in, in pitch kind of darkness, walking in, in dark? So this idea of staying with something and also shifting perspective is something that this task has kind of been developed out of. So I invite you to find a place, a place where you're able to pause for a little while and a place where you feel comfortable. It can be indoors or it can be outdoors. Then I invite you to choose something which you want to give attention. This can be a picture, a photograph, maybe it's a crack in the wall or a note on your pinboard. And if you're outside, decide what you want to give attention and take a minute to take it in. You may feel that you need to start creating some contours or frame it in order to understand what it is you're looking at. Then take off your shoes and take off your socks and earth yourself. Close your eyes and breathe. Pay attention to what's going on in your body. Are there little twitches and tensions? Are you able to release the tension? 
keep your eyes closed. Open your eyes when you're ready. And look at that which you chose to give attention. Has something changed? Can you describe what is different about it? Is something different? I had to think I'm in my office right now and actually not much has shifted in the external world. And however, I feel perhaps internally my attention shifted quite a lot with this taking off of my shoes and settling in. And it's a lovely reminder actually about this interconnection between the external and internal world, this kind of blurring of the boundaries of how we perceive with what attention. So yeah, an interesting task I think also to return to at different moments. I think you can. For me, what's interesting about it is that the thing I'm looking at will not have changed if I'm looking at a picture. And I do have a picture that I use this exercise with, which is the same picture. Uh, so that won't have changed. But the way I feel about it will have changed. And so for me, it's also in instead of sort of going inside myself and asking myself, how do you feel? Uh, it, it becomes a way also of mapping what am I putting on this picture today or what does it become uh, for me today? So for me, it's, it's very interesting because it always reminds me um, that what I see, how I see, is a, again, it's contextual, but it's also me doing that. It's, it's a kind of subjective thing also. And I think that's actually really important maybe to keep in mind when you work dramaturgically that there's, there are no objective truths to this. It's, a, it's always a, a, a person in some ways that are making the observations. Mm, the multiplicity in that without needing to harmonize and have one objective truth, but allowing yeah. lots of truths. And yeah. at the moment, kind of focusing on the, the human truths, but of course there are also truths of the picture or truths of the light that's existing in the room. So it's a very nice meeting and crossing over of lots of different layers. Yeah, and, and that can be historically, there can be a little bit um, sometimes a fear that the dramaturg is some kind of authority <laughs> that comes in and uh, sort of has a verdict on the work. But for me, it's always been important that... Um, you know, I'm a human being in the space with you. Uh, and what I'm seeing is what I'm seeing. Um, and so how can we facilitate a conversation about what we're all seeing and what we're all feeling? Mm. So that, again, coming back to that coexistence of, of multiple voices also in, in the process, I think is important. Mm. Yeah. Thank you so much for chatting with us today and inviting us into the world of dramaturgy and facilitating spaces. 
It's been a really wonderful conversation. Thank you so much. This brings us to the end of the fifth string figure, and we will return to Berlin for series six with my guest, visual artist Catherine Evans. With Kath, we'll talk about all things gravity, weight, and rocks. It's been really amazing, listeners, to receive your comments and hear how the podcast is resonating with you, so please keep in touch. It means a lot. Thank you for listening to The Worlding Podcast. Gefördert durch die Beauftragte der Bundesregierung für Kultur und Medien im Programm Neustart Kultur. Hilfsprogramm des Tanzen des Dachverband Tanz Deutschland.